Hey, this is Brent Ingersoll from King's Church. Thanks so much for tuning into our podcast. I pray that this message you're about to hear empowers you, encourages you, challenges you, and equips you to live the life that Jesus has for you. Thanks for tuning in. Well, I do want to thank you for being here today, wherever you are. I want to jump into this idea of a fresh encounter. My life has been marked and shaped and fueled and filled by the touch of God. I have encountered him repeatedly. And my life, my character, anything that is actually noteworthy or quality or praiseworthy, the the good things about Brent Ingersoll, I can direct you back to something that God did in me by his presence, through his power, in his kindness. My life has been shaped by a series, I would even say a lifestyle of encounters with the presence of the living God. I remember when I was six years old, first one of my earliest childhood memories, crawling into bed. It was summertime because it was still light out. And you know, when you're little, you go to bed and it's still broad daylight. And I remember laying there in my get-along gang sheets. That's dating myself. Some of you know what the get-along gang is. Laying there and my mom kneeling down beside my bed and With her help, me calling on Jesus for the first time. I don't remember what we prayed. I don't remember what we said. I just remember that was vivid and real and something happened in me that began a lifelong journey that I'm still on to this day of encounters with God. Seven years after that time, I was, I'm in junior high and I'm at a, a Caton's Island summer camp, junior high camp, present reality. Andrew Wakeston and my, my brother, Anthony Moore, they're, they're leading worship and Kevin Doran and Chris Lozier. I remember it vividly and, and this worship time is happening and then the preacher gets up. I don't remember what they said. I don't remember what it was about. I just remember the weight of the pull of God on my heart. I couldn't resist it any longer. I remember getting up and walking forward And crashing down at the altar and the presence of God coming over my life. It was this undeniable encounter with the living God. And my life has followed this series of encounters. 2001, I remember committing my life doing a complete 180. A 180. When you say a complete 360 pro tip, you're actually still going in the same direction. I remember doing a 180 and leaving liberal arts college and some of the decisions I've been making and going to to get after Jesus in a new way. And I went to Bible college and I started to discover a God I didn't even know. I I thought I knew him and there was this layer of him that he revealed to, to me in that season. Season, through a series of encounters with his mercy and love and kindness, I came awake through the presence of God. In 2005, I had an encounter with him. I remember being at a men's retreat and stepping forward and sitting down in a chair after the pull of God was irresistible on my life. I knew that if I didn't go and ask God to fill me in that moment, something inside of me was going to die. And so I got, I got up and I stepped forward and I said, I just need more of him. And all I can tell you is that the weight and a wave of the grace and power of God crashed over me in that moment. And I was utterly changed, like in the deepest parts of me. The only thing I can say is that in that moment, like my, my, my wanting shift from being pre- predominantly aimed at Brent Ingersoll to being predominantly aimed at Jesus. And it's still a war and a struggle, but I can tell you in that moment, the gravitational pull of my soul changed. And it wasn't anything I did. It was an encounter, a touch by the grace, by the hand of God in that moment. Fall of 2012, I remember a series 
of, of encounters. I remember being in my living room reading and just sitting there and opening a book by Dallas Willard and reading about the, the, the personality of Jesus. And all I can tell you is in that moment, it was almost like this, this hug of love came over my shoulders. It was as visceral and vivid as anything I'd ever felt. And I just melted into my chair. Encounter after encounter after encounter has marked me. I remember being in a dark place, in a place of dryness, and a friend of mine showed up who had a dream, and God gave him a specific word, three words to say to me. He showed up out of the blue. He said, Brent, the Lord says this, this, and this. And I fell to my knees in just this renewal with God. Again, a touch from God. I, I, say, I say all this not to tell my story or to boast. I tell you this because you need to know today that God is a God of encounter. He's a God of touch. He's a God who's, who comes close and touches his people and his touch brings life, healing, and transformation. It's not just for preachers. It's not just for pastors. For everybody on planet earth, God is calling them into his presence where in his presence he can reach out and touch you and bring you to life and transformation. It's for everybody. Even this past week, one of the most special moments of my life so far my son, as I was tucking him into bed Monday night, he came home from youth rally night. I'm tucking him into bed. And he said, Dad, I had a God moment. Jeepers. Thank you, youth team. Uh, he said, Dad, I had a God moment. And I said, what happened, bud? And he's like, during worship, I just felt his presence. And he said, this is his words, he's 11. He said, it was overwhelming and I didn't want to leave. God is a God of encounter. It doesn't matter if you're young or old, rich or poor. It doesn't matter if you've got it all together or you are a complete train wreck. God wants to touch your life. He is a God of encounter. And if you want to experience life, and you want to experience peace and joy and transformation, you want a fresh start, you need a fresh encounter with the living God. No more, no less. You don't need moral behavior modification. You don't need to get up and do incantations. You don't need exercise. You need an encounter with the living God. Last week we talked about, in our Fresh Start series, we talked about it begins with a fresh vision. It's recognizing his worth and your, your need for him. But the secondary piece in a fresh start, it revolves around posturing yourself in such a way that you allow the presence and power of God, the very person of God to come into your airspace, into your, you know, your peripheral that he can touch you and bring life to you because it's not something you can do for yourself. And some of you have lived long enough to figure it out that you can be a good person, you can be successful, you can be rich, you can be powerful, you can be popular, you can be influential, you can have many amazing relationships, good friendships, good family, and yet you can be dead inside. Solomon knew this. King Solomon, the son of David, most powerful, rich, wealthy, wise man probably who ever lived. And you know what he said about all of it? He said it's meaningless. I'm still missing something. I have everything and yet I've got nothing. I, I need something. He didn't know what his dad knew. His dad, David, understood you can have everything. There's one thing I ask for, one thing I seek, and that is to gaze upon your beauty, to dwell in your presence. That's what matters. David knew it. See, one touch from him 
One encounter with his presence and his person can restore and heal and redeem and regenerate and resurrect and set free and vindicate and justify and validate and satisfy and fulfill and supply and provide. One touch from him does all that. You don't need anything short of a touch from the living God. One touch from him can melt your fears can eradicate your shame, can obliterate insecurity, can illuminate the darkness that's around you, can evaporate anxiety, can eliminate the baggage and wounds that you carry in your life, can break chains. His touch changes everything. Let me ask you a question today, and I'm hoping even as I'm sharing this, it's something's churning inside of you. When was the last time you had an encounter with the living God? where you were moved, stirred, broken and built, torn down and built up, when was the last time you had an encounter? It wasn't until God touched Isaiah that things began to change. If you were tracking along last week, we found that that vision of Almighty God brought Isaiah into ruin. He realized his helpless state. And yet the good news is then it tells us that God reached out to him and touched him and cleansed him. And then it goes on, it shows that he's built back up and sent on mission. It was the touch of God that changed everything. And this vision is biblically correct. I wanna show you for a minute. I wanna do like a biblical flyover to show you that this story, the story of the Bible is a story about a God who made people in his image to be with him. That relationship was broken. And this whole book, this whole story is about the efforts of God for the reconnection of heaven and earth. That's ultimately what this is about. I want to, I want to break it down for you. If you're, if you're taking notes, let's do a little Bible study today. You're home anyway. I want to show you really what the Bible says over, I'll give an overview to show you what the Bible says about the life of encounter. It starts and it tells us, first and foremost, that God's intention for humanity, for the world, was ultimately he made human beings from relationship for relationship. What I mean by that, if you could go study Genesis 1 and 2, you will find when God creates, it says, and God said, let us, let us, Father, Son, and Spirit, make man in our image. Let us make things in our image. In other words, a community or a connected God created people from that connection, from that fellowship, from that right relationship. We were made from right relationship for right relationship. And so God created us that way. From the beginning, we were designed to live in communion with God. That's how we were created to, to live. Every human being, I don't care where you're from, what you've done on planet earth, every human being is hardwired designed for fellowship and proximity to God, every one of us. But the Bible tells us very early on, it gets right to the problem that you and I all face in Genesis chapter three. We find that human beings through the deception of the evil one, we were actually deceived and we went after our own evil desires. And what happened? Sin enters the world and separation between God and people, heaven and earth begins. And through that separation, all of the dysfunction that you and I experience even to this day still exists. See, the Bible actually gives the explanation that the reason there's so much pain and suffering and evil and injustice and death and disease and hardship is because we are separated from the source of life, being God. 
This is what happens when you are not connected or you are not encountering the living God. You need God to live. We need him to function. Creation needs the presence of God to function properly. That's why creation groans, because we, it was created for God. And dysfunction happens when God is withdrawn, when God is disconnected. I love that. I was thinking of that picture of Leonardo da Vinci on the top of the Sistine, Sistine Chapel where Adam and, Adam and God's fingers are like reaching out and there's that disconnection that has happened. That's what the Bible tells us, that there's been a disconnection between heaven and earth and people and God. And that's where all of the trial and tribulation and sin and struggle comes in. And so the Bible, though, isn't just telling us what's gone wrong, but it's really the story of what God did to make it right. And so we hear about the incarnation. We talked about this during Christmas. Incarnation means on meat, to put on meat. God became flesh. Jesus came to us. And the gospel, that's this whole book from start to finish, is the good news about what God has done to bring, bring us and creation back to himself. The gospel is the story of God bringing humanity and creation back to him. It's about the reconnection or reconciliation of all things. It was disconnection through sin and then through God's love, through his initiative, he went and he came to bring reconnection. He bridged the gap of sin, the gap of heaven, the gap of heaven and earth and eternity. He came to bring reconnection. That's the good news of the gospel. And you see it from beginning to end. If we could flip through the pages, Right from the beginning, you see Enoch walked with God and God sort of brings this separation that I'm, I'm pulling people towards me. Noah, he set him apart to be his, his person. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, a people set apart that God is calling to himself. You see this gravitational pull even in the Old Testament as it goes towards its fulfillment in Christ who is God in flesh who came to be with us to bridge the gap. That's the gospel. Paul explains it like this. Let's look at it. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, he says, And he, being Jesus, died for all. That's a good word. Someone needs to hear that today. He died for all. That those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view, though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do, no, do so no longer. Verse 17, here it is. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, if you've come to him, see the connection, the new creation has come. God has brought heaven to you and the old is gone. The new is here. All this is from God who, there's the key word, reconciled us, reconnected us. He did it like that ember, that ember that reached out and touched Isaiah's lips. God reached out and reconciled us. He reconnected the broken relationship by his blood through his efforts that God was reconciling the world to himself. He gave, he, sorry, he reconciled us to himself through Christ and he gave us the ministry of reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. And we are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on God's behalf, be reconciled to God. What's he getting at? He's saying Jesus came to reconcile us. And as you come to him, you have entered into a new relationship with God. The new creation has come. It's begun in the spirit, in your soul. And one day it actually 
actually tells us that we will be given new bodies, everlasting bodies, and we will live forever in right union with God. And he speaks about the ministry of reconciliation that we now have, and that's what the book of Acts is all about. You're getting the Bible overview right now. The book of Acts is about the people of God continuing God's reconciliation efforts. It's going out through us. And we are, we are actually in that story right now. Acts is still being written. The acts of the church are still being written. And it's all leading up to the end of the book in Revelation, which we're going to jump into in two weeks. So come back. Revelation 21 and 22. What's it talk about? It says in the end, it says, And finally, it says, God's dwelling place is with his people. You see, you go back to Genesis chapter 3 and you see this disconnection. You see God come to, come to the garden to find Adam and Eve. And he says, where are you? We've been disconnected. And then they, you turn to the very end of the book after all the, the works of God and the fulfillment and the, and the salvation of Jesus comes. You see the very end of the book in Revelation. It says, finally, heaven and earth are together. God is with his people. He will be their God and they will be his people. It's about reconnection. It's about encounters. It's about being with him. That is the, the, the story of the gospel. So the invitation is this. The scripture, the gospels, it tells us, it invites us to know God. The word know isn't just gnosis, like intellectual, but it's experiential. Like when it says Adam knew his wife, it wasn't that he was studying about her. To know her, like he experienced her. The invitation of the scripture is for us to know God relationally and live in that relationship now and forever. That's some good news. That's the invitation of the gospel. And so Jesus even comes and he, he, he gives us this instruction. He tells us that life flows to and through those who encounter God. This is why Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary, and I'll give you rest. This is why he said in John 10, 10, the thief comes to rob, kill, steal, and destroy. I have come that you would have, say it in the chat. He came for our life. Zoe, the Greek word zoe, which means like abundant, overflowing life now and forevermore. I say all this because Jesus told us the goal of your life, Christian saints, you need to hear this. If you want a fresh start and you want to bear fruit, the whole of scripture is telling you there is one way to do that. And that is encountering his person, encountering his presence. Jesus said the goal ultimately is for you to remain in me. It's, it's intimacy, it's connection, it's encountering his grace and power so he can do in you what you could never do for yourself. He said, if you remain in me, you will bear much fruit, but apart from me, you can do nothing. God is a God of encounter. God is a God of encounter. He is not a system to be leveraged. He is a someone to be experienced. He is not an ideology to be known. He is an individual to be loved. He is not a philosophy to be committed to. He is a person to be connected with. He's not a religion to adhere to. He's a relationship to hold on to. God is a God of encounter. We need fresh encounters. We need fresh touches. We don't need restrictions to end as much as we need a fresh touch from the living God. We don't need more money, more than we need a fresh touch. We don't need a new job, more than we need a fresh touch. We don't need our anxiety to dissipate through some moral engineering or through accomplishments. You need a fresh touch. You don't need to sleep around more than you need a fresh touch from God. You don't need to binge watch or binge eat more than you need a fresh touch. And now here's the good news. The good news is there is nothing that can stop us from encountering God. Nothing. 
Paul said, angels, demons, sickness, health, you know, nakedness, sword, famine, death itself cannot keep us from him. The only thing that can keep you and I from having a fresh encounter with the living God is ourselves, our excuses, our apathy. The devil can't stop you. Sickness can't stop you. Debt can't stop you. Joblessness can't stop you. COVID can't stop you. Lockdown can't stop you. Only you can stop yourself from experiencing God. Jesus promised us. He promised us in Matthew 7 at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. He said, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door, bring that scripture up. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, there it is, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Look what he goes on to say. He says, which one of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? He's promising himself. Now some of you are like, well, I asked God for a Ferrari. I didn't get one. That's not what he's talking about. He's not talking about um, some cosmic genie here to grant your wish. He's saying, if you ask me for my presence, if you ask me for my spirit, I will always say yes. God will always say yes when you ask for more of him. Let me just say that again. God will always say yes when you ask for more of him and you will seek him. He will always say yes. And here's the other good news. And I want to just kind of end here getting super practical. I wanted to create some hunger in you because I believe God wants you, you to encounter him in fresh ways this year. I believe he will honor you. If, you. if you step toward him, he will step toward you and you will experience him. But I want to give some practical ways on how to encounter the living God. Where do we find him, so to speak? Like if you're gonna leave this sermon today and you're gonna go on about your week, but you're doing it to try to seek God, how do we seek him? How do we do it? Now, I have five ways. There's not just one silver bullet. I got five things. We're going to proceed through real quick. Take these down because you need all five of them. Five ways to find Jesus. Five ways to encounter him. Are you ready? Write these down in the chat so I know you're taking notes. Number one, here's the first thing we need to do to find him, to have fresh encounters with him. The first thing is, the first place to look is find him in the word. Find him in the word. Find him in what he has said and what he's saying, in his proclamations. The word of God is living power. It is his presence. It is his power. It is his grace. And if you want to find him fresh, start in the word. Yes, of course, we're talking about scripture. Obviously, the, the logos, what God has said. Here's what I know to be true. If you get into the scripture, the scripture will get into you. If you get into God's word, God's word will get into you. And when God's word gets into you, it bears fruit. That's what happens when you start reading scripture, you start meditating on it, it bears fruit. God's seed is powerful. That's what the psalmist is talking about in Psalm chapter one. Look what it promises. Blessed is the one who does not walk and step with the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of, or the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law or the word, what God has said, the law of the Lord who meditates on it. That word meditates is like murmur. It's to chew on. It's to, keep, it's to keep close. Who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. If you want fresh life, 
if you want renewal, if you want a fresh encounter, start with what God has said. Start with just getting your face in the book. You know, the old preacher said, get your face off Facebook and get in your face in the book, right? You've heard that one, of course. It's cheesy. But it's true. It's true. If you want a fresh encounter with God, you, you start with what God has already said. But there's also another way that God speaks and God proclaims and his word is spoken. It's through actually what he's saying right now. The spirit speaks. Did you know that? The Bible talks about the Logos word and the Rhema word that God is speaking right now. He's speaking to you through me right now. The, the Rhema is coming. It's, this is God saying, I want to encounter you. When you feel that stir in your spirit, it's the spirit of God saying that to you. His spirit whispers to us in the still small voice and can sometimes yell at us through powerful prophetic words. Some of the most powerful moments in my life have come through people who God chose to speak through and did something in me that was so profound it changed me forever. So we start in the word. Second thing we start with, the second thing we need is we find him in the we. I needed another W word. I know your grammar freaks aren't gonna like that, but stay with me. You actually find the, the presence of God through his people. You encounter him through the communion, the community of saints. Here's what I know to be true. God has chosen to reveal himself through scripture, yes, through nature, yes, the Bible tells us that. But he's also, and probably even most profoundly, I've experienced this, he's chosen to reveal himself through his people, through community, there is no such thing as a me, myself, and Jesus Christian. Doesn't work. There are no autonomous Christians. Like you didn't come out of the box as a Christian able to do it all yourself. In fact, God designed you to need each other. We actually need the body of believers. The, the analogy the scripture gives us is that we are a body with many parts. You aren't, you aren't in and of yourself complete. You actually need the different parts of the body. We need one another. We're a temple. We're stones built together to house the, the living God. God is way too big for you to be the only carrier of his presence. And so he places himself in the collection of saints. This is why we need one another. We, we, we find God amongst the body of believers. God is experienced in local community in local community, through mutual submission, through support, through authority and accountability. Look, the church is the only place where people will love you through your, through your worst days, or at least they should. And I know some people have been hurt by church, but I'll tell you what, I've also been more helped by church than any other group of people on planet Earth. We are frail and we, we do have issues and baggage and mistake, but by the grace of God, he continues to call us together and to actually build us to life together. And I have never known anybody who withdrew from Christian community who came out the other side for the better. Never seen it. You know, people are like, oh, I love Jesus. I just don't love the church. Well, Jesus loves the church. So it's hard to love him and not love his bride. You were made for him through, to experience him through the body, through the body. I wonder if this pandemic isn't just creating a new level of appetite and awareness for how bad we need each other. And we need to gather and we need that accountability. We need authority in our lives. Who can tell you no? Who can tell you you're being a jerk? Who can look you in the eye and say, don't do that? We need that. God has designed us. Look, it is folly and, and brutally dangerous to just live a life like we're the king of the universe and no one can tell us otherwise. 
The church is where you come in and you submit to one another in our giftedness, in our unique design. And through that, we experience God. Number three, I'm going to be done in just a minute. I want to give you these things. These are so important. If you want to start experiencing God, you're going to need all of these. Number three, we find him in the worship. We find him in his praise. When you begin to worship God, it draws the presence of God. Nothing draws God's manifest presence like praise. You see it over and over in the scripture. God just comes when people praise him. He moves when people operate in worship. There's, there's something I've found out to be true in my life. God is everywhere, but he doesn't show up the same everywhere. Like his presence is everywhere. He's omnipresent, but his manifest presence is different from place to place. And so we need to learn this lifestyle of worship, to be people who worship. Because when we are worshipers, we draw his presence. Now, how do we, how do we worship? Well, we worship through praises, of course, through singing, through shouting, through clapping, through using our bodies and our voices, adoration. Some of you are like, well, I don't do that. I don't know how to do that. Yeah, you do. I've seen some of you guys have been at hockey games with you. You know how to worship. You go like this, yeah, when, when the guy scores. That's, that's worship. That's what that is. It's aiming that adoration that's in all of us toward God. That's what worship is. And when you start to do that, God's presence comes always. We, we worship through praises. We worship through places. There are places and spaces in your world that God has given you where you can find him. Maybe it's a prayer corner. Maybe it's a place in nature where you walk. There are places like uh, some of old Christians call them thin places. Places where the separation of heaven and earth just seems very, very thin. We can find God as we go to those places out of obedience and out of desire to encounter him. And of course, we worship is ultimately about obedience. Do you know what pleases God and brings his presence? Doing what he says. Just doing what he says, saying, God, I don't like it, but I'm going to do it. You know, like sometimes, sometimes we don't. We just do it because he's God and we're not. Obedience draws the presence of God. So we find God in the word. We find him in the we. We find him in the worship. And number four, I told you, I'm going to fly through this. Number four, we find him in the ways, in the ways, in the practices, in the lifestyle of following Jesus. This is where a lot of us, let me just speak to you. Some of you need to hear this. This is where a lot of us are missing out on a life of consistent encounter. Because we believe in Jesus. You might even read the scripture once in a while. But you have not adopted his way of life. You've not actually put on the, like Jesus said, come to me all you who are weary and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. What's the yoke? The yoke is his way of life. It's the things he taught. It's when he told you to do something, do it, applying those things. In, in the end of Matthew 7, the end of the Sermon on the Mount, what did he say? He said, the one whose life will last, like the man who built his life on the rock, is the one who hears my words and then what? Puts them into practice. So it's about adopting a habits and lifestyle of Christianity, following Jesus. This is what I mean by finding him in the ways. You will find and discover God as you put on a habit of following him, trying to be like him. Well, one of my favorite theologians, Dallas Willard, although I, it says N.T. Wright because I made a mistake. Dallas Willard, N.T. Wright's another, another one of my favorites. So I basically got two that are usually there. Three, C.S. Lewis is usually in that spot, N.T. Wright or Dallas Willard. But today is Dallas Willard, so just ignore the N.T. Wright. He said this, for at least the last several decades, the churches of the Western world have not made discipleship a condition of being a Christian. One is not required to be or to intend to be a disciple in order to become a Christian. And one may remain a Christian without any signs of progress toward 
discipleship. The greatest issue facing the world today with all of its heartbreaking needs is whether those who by profession or by culture are identified as Christians will become disciples, students, apprentices, practitioners of Jesus Christ, practitioners of Jesus Christ. Steadily, let's bring that back, steadily, oh, really doesn't, Satan doesn't want you to hear this. Steadily learning from him how to live the life of the kingdom of the heavens into every corner of human existence. It's about practicing the ways of Jesus, walking in his ways, being his disciple. For Jesus and the first Christians, following him did not mean, hey, yeah, I believe in Jesus too. It wasn't about praying a sinner's prayer. It was about adopting a lifestyle and trying to be like him, following him practicing the things he taught us. And so how do we practice? We do it through spiritual disciplines, prayer, simplicity, obedience, submission, fasting, serving, confession, solitude. We do it through the rhythms of life. I love there's a scripture in the message that talks about experiencing the rhythms of God's grace. You do that through the practices, through practicing the way of Jesus. Finally this, and we'll touch more on this next week. Number five, find him in the work. You find him in the work, in his purpose for your life. God created you for a purpose. Let me tell you this. Your purpose will require God's help. Your purpose in this world will require God's presence in order to accomplish it. You cannot live your purpose without his presence. And so the moment that you start stepping into your God-designed purpose, you're going to see there's a God gap that only he can fill and his presence is required for you to operate in your purpose. God created you on purpose. Ephesians, Paul says in Ephesians 2.10 that you are God's workmanship, his creation, his special creation, which he created in Christ Jesus to do good works which he prepared in advance for you to do. So God designed you specifically with gifts and talents and unique things to do that he wants you to do through him, through Christ Jesus. You have been designed and destined for a purpose. And so where do we find our purpose? Where do we get it? Well, to boil the whole thing down, you start loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and loving your neighbor as yourself, you're gonna start finding your purpose. Your purpose isn't necessarily what you think it is. You're going to start to find. There are things that I have done in my lifetime where I've had that moment of fulfillment and that moment of proximity to God where it's like, God, that is why you made me. Anytime I'm obedient, anytime I operate in faith, anytime I operated in my giftedness that God has given me are moments of encounter for me. Even this moment as I preach to you, God made me to preach and I have this sense of God's partnership and presence in my life. Even as I'm doing this right now, it's fulfilling to me. You've got to find why God made you and actually operate in that. And as you operate in that, you will require God's presence. But we'll talk about that a little bit more next week about operating on mission and partnership with God. So just to recap, if you seek Jesus, you will find him. And I've given you five tools and you need them all in order to seek him. Seek him in the word, seek him in the we, seek him in the worship, seek him in the ways, seek him in the work. If you start stepping out, and look, it's not gonna be perfect, but you start stepping out saying, God, I want more of you. I'm gonna, I'm gonna step toward you. If you do that, I promise you, you're gonna encounter God. You're gonna encounter his presence. Hear the word of the Lord today, church, as I close. Life is the byproduct of encountering 
King Jesus. Eternal life, fulfilling life, the transformed life, the life of peace, the life of hope, the life of joy is the byproduct. It's the fruit, the overflow of having encountered Jesus, who is the Lord of life. And he promises you, if you will seek him, you will find him. And if you aim your life at remaining in him, you will bear much fruit. And he is calling you to himself. Last week, we ended with praying the prayer of Ephesians chapter one. And I wanna do that again this week. We use the same two scriptures last week and this week. And I want us to pray this and I want to look at it just again, verse 17, and Paul says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. We talked about that last week, seeing him, so that you may know him better. And know here is not just an idea, it's an experience that you would encounter him. He goes on to talk about what it looks like to encounter him. I pray that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened in order that you may know the hope, experience it in real time to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his people and his incomparably great power, real power for those of us who believe. That power that he wants to give you is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. That's power. Say that's power in the chat. Far above all rule and authority, power and dominion in every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the age to come. I want to pray for you today. And I want you to open your heart to receive. And I'm going to pray a prayer of encounter over you, King's Church. And I felt the Lord say that he wants 2022 to be a year of encounters for you. Just hear that invitation right now. Like he is saying, I want to know you better, even as you desire to know me better. I want to encounter you. And it's not, it's not that God wants to like find things out about you. He made you. But God wants to be closer to you than ever before. He's calling you to himself. And so hear the call, hear the voice of the Spirit calling you. Let's pray. Just open your hands and open your hearts to receive. And I wanna pray over you right now that God would bring hunger into you and he'd give you grace to seek and that there would be encounters. So let's pray. Father, thank you for this invitation today. Thank you, Lord, for ultimately making a way for us to know you. Jesus, through your blood on the cross, through your sacrifice and through your resurrection, there is now no separation. We can boldly approach the throne of grace today. There is nothing keeping us from true life. Restrictions can't stop us. Shame can't stop us. Mistakes can't stop us. The devil can't stop us. There is nothing keeping us from accessing the grace and life and peace and hope and joy that comes from knowing you. And so, Father, I pray right now in all of us, would you just awaken a deeper appetite? Would we see the God-shaped hole in our heart and would we seek after you to fill it? Father, I pray for hunger in King's Church like never before. Would we not want to have a service without your presence? Would we not want to do anything without your presence? We long for you, God. Would you create a hunger in us? Now, God, I ask for a grace to seek would you give us those tools? Would you help us learn to work those tools to find you, God, to find you in your ways and to find you in your people and in the worship and in the word, God? Would you help us, Lord, seek you? And now, God, I pray over all of King's Church. 
I pray and I release just encounters, divine encounters. And Lord, I even feel to pray like for angelic help to set us up to meet you in profound ways. Lord, I pray for dreams and visions. God, I pray for whispers of your spirit in those still, 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 um, still small moments. God, I pray for shouting moments where we just hear you loud and clear. Lord, we ask for encounters. I pray for encounter over your people, Lord. King's Church, God, King's Church, hear the word of the Lord. This is gonna be a year of encounters. A year of encounters, a year of the touch of God. Lord, we just say we don't need a new strategy as a church. We need a fresh touch. We don't need a new strategy as a church. We need a fresh touch. Lord, we don't need changes in our families. We need fresh touches. We need fresh touches, God. I pray it in the mighty and matchless name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. God bless you, church.